0: Living water? Are you glad to be here this morning? Listen, I'm excited to begin a new series today. We've been thinking about it and planning it for a little while, but we're going to start this summer off with a series um, looking at the parables of Jesus. And Jesus had a lot of them. We're going to focus on about 10 of them. Um, And the title of this series is The Moral of the Story. You know what the moral of the story is, right? You've heard that phrase before. Um, How many of you are familiar with Aesop's Fables? You know, the ant and the grasshopper, or here's one everybody probably knows, the boy who cried wolf. Remember that one? So the story goes that the little boy goes out onto the, uh, the fields, and he's tending his sheep, and he gets bored with his job, and he decides he's going to do something, um, so he wants to play a prank on the farmers in the town, the village, and so he screams out, wolf, wolf, and they come running, ready to defend the boy and the sheep, and they find out there's no sheep there, and the boy just laughs. He thought it was so funny. A couple of days later he does it again he's wolf wolf and they come running out and they come to protect him and they find out that he played a trick on him again he's laughing and it made him really mad and so um they said all right the next time you do this we're not coming and so as it would go the, a few days later a wolf shows up for real this time and the boy screams he's terrified wolf wolf but nobody comes Nobody comes to his aid, and it says later he comes to town, he's carrying like a sheep, and uh, the wolf had gotten one of his sheep and carried it off and scattered the flock. And the moral of the story is nobody believes a liar even when he's telling the truth. Right? So it's important to tell the truth and be honest. That's the moral of the story. Or how about this one? A, A dad puts his son on a ladder like 10 foot tall, and he's like, Trust me, son, you can jump. And the boy jumps, and the dad moves out of the way, and he hits the ground. Well, maybe that's not the moral of the story, but it's a painful life lesson, right? Don't trust anybody, son. All right, so we get the idea of the moral of the story, right? The moral of the story is a story that's told that has an underlying moral principle, something, a truth that, um, that the story tries to present to us. Jesus spoke in parables the same thing. He told these stories that had an underlying truth or a moral principle that he wanted us to get. And so we're going to look over the next 10 weeks, um, there's these themes there. If you look at some of the parables, um, he says the kingdom of heaven or the, the kingdom of God is like, and then he gives this descriptive parable of what the kingdom is like. And some of the parables are in response to questions. And so one person comes to him and says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus responds in the form of a parable. Another time someone comes to him with a question, teacher, how many times do I got to forgive my brother who offends me? And Jesus responds again in a parable. Um, And then he also uses some parables to give description of what the end times Will be like. So that's some of the ideas or the themes that we'll be looking at over uh, the next several weeks through the summer. So the idea of this series is they're not all connected together. So if you're gone and on vacation, you're traveling, you don't have to miss what I missed last week. All right, so as we begin that, Matthew chapter 13, David had you turn there. I want to begin by reading Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 9, and then I want to stop and pray. Um, And then we'll go from there. I want to lay some groundwork for this series. So what is a parable and why Jesus chose to speak in parables. And then eventually we'll get into the first one mentioned in chapter 13, the parable of the farmer, the seed, and the soil. So with that, would you read with me? Matthew chapter 13, it says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, <clears throat> and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. And he finishes by saying, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and that's our prayer, Lord, that we Would listen, that we would understand, that we would hear. Lord, we have ears and we have eyes, but sometimes we miss what you want to tell us or what you want to show us. And so, my prayer, Lord, is that you would open our ears that we might be able to hear and understand the truth. God, that you would open our eyes that we might see what you might be speaking to us. And ultimately, Lord, that you would open our hearts that even though we hear and even though we see what you might want to be showing to us, that our hearts would receive that word. And, Lord, just like a plant going into the ground that that would begin a process of germinating and and growing and producing a huge crop um, in our lives. God, we want you to change our lives through your word. And we know, Father, that it is important for us to approach it with that heart and that attitude. So, Lord, would you please help us to understand, help us to listen. And I ask it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what is a parable? The word parable is two Greek words put together, para and balo. Balo sounds a lot like ball, and what it means is to throw alongside or to lay alongside. So Jesus would take stories that they were very familiar with, right? That's a farmer scattering the seed, a shepherd who loses one of his sheep, or the workers in the vineyard. He would just tell stories that were very familiar to all of the listeners, right? But alongside that story, he would throw or lay out a very important truth. A principle, a moral truth, if you will, that they should heed and and follow and apply in their lives. And so Jesus spoke in these parables to throw alongside. Now, about 35% of the teachings of Jesus are in the form of parables. And so the question is, why did Jesus use parables? Why did he do that? Well, if you're reading through the Gospel of Matthew, you will read chapters 1 through 12 before you'll get to the first one. And so you're inclined to say, okay, why did he change? Why are we just getting to a parable in chapter 13? Well, Matthew, the writer of this gospel, is writing to the Jewish people, and he's presenting Jesus as the Messiah. He's presenting Jesus as the rightful king of the throne of David, and so he begins chapter one with the lineage, if you will, of Jesus. And he starts with Abraham, and he works his way all the way down through King David, and then ultimately through Joseph, and then finally Jesus. And so he's laying the groundwork that Jesus is the rightful heir to the throne, David. Chapter two, the wise men show up, and they say, where is this Jesus, the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. We know that was a problem for Herod because he was kind of the the king at the time and he saw that as a threat. Jesus would come up and say, um, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near to you. Later they would ask Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? When he was arrested, Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? And he said, I am, or you have said it. And then ultimately he's crucified on a cross and above him on the cross is a sign that says, Jesus, king of the Jews. So so Matthew is presenting Jesus as the king of the Jews. In chapter 1 through 12, Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is performing these miracles that should have made anyone believe, right? Any skeptic, any doubter should have been able to say, man, he's backing up what he said with miracles. And so I believe, but the reality was they weren't believing and they weren't receiving what Jesus said and so you can look at chapter uh, nine it begins whenever they started um, criticizing Jesus Jesus heals a man who's paralyzed and he tells that man your sins are forgiven and they said that's blasphemy who do you think you are God And later they're walking through some fields, and he says, why do they not follow the rules and the the traditions? Uh, They don't wash their hands before you eat. Um, When he cast out demons, they even accused him of being empowered by the prince of demons. Jesus, the only way you can do that is because you're empowered by Satan himself. And it, it kind of builds and builds, and then eventually in chapter 12, towards the end, it says, then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. And so Jesus is experiencing this great opposition, and so chapter 13 marks a transition in the way he teaches, but he's still teaching truth. And it begins with these parables, and so naturally the disciples, who've been hearing Jesus teaching parables, or just regular teaching all this time, now they're, they're, they're noticing he's a, his approach is different, and it's a little hard to understand. Maybe he's speaking in code, And so they go to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, why are you speaking in these parables? They might as well have said, why are you speaking in a way that nobody can follow you? It's hard for them to get the lesson. And so Jesus answers this for them in verse 10. So follow along with me. It says, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? Why are you speaking in code, Jesus? And Jesus responds, you are permitted, you talking to the disciples, are permitted to understand the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. For those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This is why I use the parables. So Jesus is telling them, hey, there's a dual purpose in me speaking in these parables. Number one, it's to reveal I want to reveal to those of you who believe in me as Messiah, those who listen to my teachings, and what you're going to learn is the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But we know that the Pharisees were not willing to listen to Jesus. They had ears and they had eyes, but they weren't hearing and they weren't seeing. They were digging their heels in. They were hard-hearted. He said, but those who don't receive me, those who don't believe, even what they do get is going to be taken away from them. And so he taught in parables to reveal the truths of the kingdom to the disciples But he also taught in parables to conceal it to those who did not receive him. He needed to to buy some more time as he prepares his disciples and ultimately goes to the cross, resurrected, and they're going to experience this great joy of a resurrected Savior. And so he speaks in these parables. Also, I would add to that, it fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, you know, he says, who shall I send? He says, here I am, send me. And this is a prophecy of of Jesus. And he says, all right, you're going to go, but you're going to go to a people who have ears, but they don't hear. They have eyes, but they don't see. I mean, these guys are going to be, it's going to be a tough ministry, right? And so it says of Jesus, this also fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. It says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened And their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are you. Back to the disciples, you're blessed. Because you live in a time when Jesus is saying, you live in a time when I'm revealing to you the mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And do you know that prophets from years ago longed to hear what you're hearing today? But they didn't hear it. And they longed to see what you're seeing today, but they didn't see it. And so you are truly, truly blessed. So Jesus speaks in these parables his truth. He tells a regular story and throws alongside it a very important truth or a moral principle that they need to get. And what's crazy about this is he's telling these stories and everybody initially is confused. So Jesus, with his disciples, they come to him, why you do this? And he explains that. So now looking at the actual parable we began with, Jesus explains it to them. They came to him privately and he begins to <clears throat> lay this out to the disciples. And so let me, let me just ask you the question. Have you ever noticed in life that people respond differently to the word of God than others? I mean, the word of God is powerful, isn't it? Uh, the word of God is powerful. I mean, forget who's speaking it, but the word of God is powerful. And he says, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth it will not return unto me void, but it will go out and it will accomplish what I send it to do. The word is powerful. And it's amazing to me how the word can be preached, proclaimed, or even read, and it can radically change the life of one person, and another person can approach that with an absolute indifference in their heart. And that's a reality I think that we all see, right? And so it kind of is mind-boggling. You're like, man, how does it just have such an impacting change on somebody's life, and then on others, it seems like it just hits a brick wall, and they don't get it. Why? If they've not received Jesus as King, it's closed off to them. They don't understand it. Now, it's not the heart of the Father that they're that way, but they have hardened their hearts. And they're not willing to see, and they're not willing to hear, as the prophet Isaiah said. And so they don't get the meaning of the parable. So Jesus teaches this story, uh, the farmer, the seed, and the soil. Actually, it's a parable of the, the soil. But we have this farmer that goes out in Palestine, and he begins to cast his seed. Now, we plant in rows, you know, we turn over the ground, we plant the rows, and we put the seed carefully in those rows. That's kind of how we do it here back then. They would put a pouch over their shoulder, and they would walk out into these open fields. Now, the fields were connected to each other, and there were little pathways between each field. And so people who were traveling could cut through the fields, and they were walking on like a mini sidewalk, if you will. These pathways in between the fields and a a farmer would get out and he would grab his handful of seed out of his pouch and he would just broadcast it or sling it out. And so that seed's going everywhere and so Jesus tells the parable about the seed going onto the footpaths, the, the sidewalk if you will. And once the farmer gets a little ways away the birds come in quickly and they steal that seed away. And he said, and then there's some seed that went in, into an area where it was shallow soil. Now, in Palestine, um, it says that there is like a limestone bedrock all in the soil there. And so the, the whole area has got this hard, rocky surface underneath the soil. And so if the soil is not very deep, it's a shallow soil, what happens is that seed goes in and it immediately germinates, but it has nowhere to go down, and so it immediately sprouts up, and then the sun comes up. And how many of you know photosynthesis is important in plant growth? The sun has a role. The sun comes out and it creates energy in that plant. That plant continues to grow. But that sun that produces growth without a root system, it wilts the plant. And so he says that sun comes out and because it has no root system, it's too shallow, it wilts and the plant dies. Then he says other seed fell um, in the ground and it appeared at first as though it was good, right? But how many of you know when you're gardening, not just the, what you planted in the ground comes up? we got these things called weeds in West Texas, don't we? I'm, I don't know how it happens. You're like, you can take all the care, and, and you just, hey, look, it's starting to come up. What's that? That's a weed. It happens all the time, right? And so he says, the same way, you, you broadcast the seed. Some of it falls among 40 places, and so as it becomes, it starts to come up, these weeds start coming up too, and they begin to compete for the nutrients, compete for the water, compete for the sun, and they begin to choke out the plant And it doesn't survive. And Jesus is using these three examples of those who have closed their hearts, their minds, their eyes to the gospel. They don't produce a crop. But then he says, finally, some seed fell in the good soil. That's the deep soil. It's been tilled. It's soft. It's prepared and ready for the seed. And the seed is cast out there, and it produces a crop. How many know the reason you plant a seed is to produce a crop? I don't know about you, but I don't go out there and do that just because I think it's fun. I mean, you want something from your toil, from your work. So that's the purpose, is to plant the seed, to produce the crop. And he says, that's the good soil. And he says, those are the ones who hear me. Let's look at his interpretation, not mine. Uh, Verse 18, look at chapter 13. It says, now listen to the explanation of the parable. Hey, Jesus, why do you talk in parables? Why are you preaching in code? Hey, listen, I am going to reveal it to you, conceal it to them. You're blessed because you get to hear it. Right? All the prophets wanted to hear what you hear and see what you see, but you're getting to hear it now. So here's the, here's the, the answer to the riddle. Here, here's the moral of the story. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message of the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. And so... He says, initially, their, their, their eyes and their ears are closed to the message of the gospel, and that's like the seed that falls on the footpath, and in this case, the bird represents the evil one who comes and snatches it away. Jesus has dealt with many of the religious leaders, the Pharisees that thought they had it all figured out, who were always challenging the authority and the teachings of Jesus, and he says, those are the ones, like this message has had zero effect on them, even what they've received has been taken away from them he says the first one represents those who hear it they don't understand it the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts secondly he says the seed verse 20 on the rocky soil or the shallow soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy You plant the seed in the shallow soil, and it comes up, and so there's this hope of a crop. You're like, hey, look, it's coming up, but there's no roots, and and, and it won't take long before you realize the problem, and it begins to wilt away because the sun comes out, and the same sun that causes it to grow now becomes too much for it to bear because it has no root system, right? And it begins to wilt, and it dies. Jesus puts it this way in verse 21, but since they don't have deep roots... These who have heard the message and they receive it with joy, they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So there are those who will hear the message, they get excited about the message, and maybe they're following Jesus. How many know the followers of Jesus in his time weren't all literal followers like his disciples? They were intrigued by what he was doing, what he was saying, and they were just following Jesus because he was cool. And this might be like someone who hears the word, they get excited about it, but they have no root system. It's not penetrating into the soil of their hearts. And so they get excited, but they experience a little persecution, a little pushback because of their believing or following or understanding the message of the kingdom. And it says they wilt away. The sun causes them to wilt away and they die. Verse 22, and he says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents Those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out. Say, crowded out. I don't know about you, but we live in a world that is so busy, it's easy for important things to be crowded out, isn't it? You're like, I got these priorities. I know they're important, but man, I'm just too busy. Things are going on in my life. Things are going on right now. It just feels overwhelming, and I'm just going to have to put something on the back burner, and we begin to crowd out certain things. And the problem is, sometimes we crowd out the more important things. And from what he's saying in this, it's like the seed is there, but the thorns come up and they represent those things that crowd out the seed and its opportunity to grow and produce a crop. And so what is it that crowds them out? There's no room because they're all competing for the nutrients, the water, the sun. He says they're crowded out by the worries of this life. Now, I know that we live in a world that's messed up and I know there are many things in this world that can cause us to focus on those things that bring us anxiety and worry more than the solution to all of those, and that's God's Word. Many people, like, man, I've heard the gospel, and I, and I, I appreciate the message, and I'm excited about the message, and I want to receive it. But, man, as soon as the, the cares of this life, the worry, the anxiety builds up, I find myself just being crowded out. The important thing of God's Word is crowded out of my life, and I'm so focused on that that's in front of me, that worries me, that causes anxiety. He said it chokes them out, it crowds them out from the worries of this life and the lures of wealth. You'll hear a parable later, or maybe we, I don't know if we cover this or not, but the, the rich young ruler who went away sad because he had many riches. He said, sell everything you got and give it to the poor. You'll inherit eternal life. And he's like, he went away sad because his riches were more important to him than the kingdom. So the reality is, is for some, they can hear the word of God and it can be crowded out by the cares of the world and the lure of riches is what Jesus said. But then he finally gets to the soil, to the example that does produce the crop. And what I believe is his ultimate goal for all of us is when we hear the word of God, it has an impact in our life. And he says in verse 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear, say truly hear, because now Husbands and wives, you may have to just bear with me for a minute, but sometimes husbands, we're listening to our wives, but we're not really listening. You follow me? I'm gonna be careful how I say this because I don't want to get in trouble later. Right? I mean, we're hearing, but we're not really hearing. And they'll say, did you hear what I said? Mm, yeah. and, and it's almost embarrassing, right? Because you're like, no, I'm sorry. I'll be honest with you. I would not listen to a word you said. What it sounded like was, wah, 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 wah. If you watch Charlie Brown, right? So we... Hear the word, but the reality is that sometimes we we have these ears and they work. I hear sound, but I'm not really hearing it. And he says, those who hear this are those those that truly hear. They truly hear what he's trying to say through his message. And it says, and they understand God's word. Okay, so it goes beyond the parable now to the throne alongside the principle or the moral truth that he's trying to say. Like, okay, Jesus, I get it. You're not talking about a farmer and seed and soil now. I get it. You're talking about our hearts. And so those who hear and understand God's word and produce, say produce. Because I think this is very important in the life of the believer. We're not saved by works, but works are evidence that we are saved, right? And so when we accept Christ and he begins to work through our lives, his word plants these seeds in our life, we grow, we mature, we start producing um, in our lives and that's, that's what he wants for us. It's called sanctification. We're growing in our faith. He said, the seed that fell on the good ground represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had planted. I want to go back to the original parable. He begins with the word, listen. It's an imperative. That means it's a command. And he ends with, he who has ears, let him hear. And he says this several different times throughout his parables. He who has ears, let him hear what I'm saying. Jesus shares the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And he says that we're blessed when we receive who he is. We understand that Jesus is Messiah. He's king and we accept him. We've been permitted to understand those secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom. But if you're digging your heels in and you got your mind already made up. How many you ever met somebody like that? Like you can talk to them and there ain't no change in their mind. In fact, we were talking the other day about things going on in the community and a, a big meeting and all that stuff. And I said, I'll bet you could have dragged Moses from the grave and brought him there. Or you could have brought Jesus back um, and, from heaven and set him in the midst of these people and they would not hear what even he had to say. That's the world we live in today, right? They're absolutely hard-hearted towards the Word of God. So I said, it's crazy to me how some people can respond differently to the Word than others. But the reality is we live in a world where God wants us to to know and reveal, but he wants us to listen, he wants us to see, he wants our hearts to be softened. So here's what we need to know. The problem is not with the farmer. In this case, the farmer, Jesus, is the one spreading the news of the kingdom. It'd later be the disciples spreading the good news. It happens every Sunday from the pulpit as the word is opened, the scattering of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The problem is not with the farmer. Amen? I mean, there's some that may communicate a little better than others, but the problem is not with the farmer because the farmer's being obedient and it's spreading, and it's not his role. He says, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth it will not return unto me void. It'll do what I said it would do. The problem is not with the farmer, it's also not with the seed. Amen? Come on. The seed is the word of God, and it's powerful, right? It has this great impact. The problem is not with the farmer or the seed. The problem then becomes a problem with the soil. Right? So he's focusing on the four soils. And here's the one big idea. If you don't hear anything else I say today, what is the moral of this story? What is it that Jesus is trying to get us to understand from the parable of the four soils, the, the farmer, the seed, and the soils? Here it is. A man's reception of God's word is determined by the condition of his heart. Let me say it again. A man's reception... A woman's reception, anyone's reception to God's word is determined by the condition of their heart. Somehow I mean, you know, how many of you know the soil matters? The heart matters. And so the condition of the heart, that's a great great question for us to ask ourselves this morning. What is the condition of my heart? Now I believe in this context the first three represent those who are not genuinely followers and believers of the gospel, and the last one represents those who are, but I would have to be honest and say that it's even possible that in our lives as followers, genuine followers of Christ, that we can go through seasons where the ground gets a little hard. Anybody else struggle with that? Oh, I am. And I have to regularly just say, God, I'm I'm sorry. I, I approach your word with just kind of my mind made up. You can sit down with two Christians and debate things in scripture and they're absolutely closed to, to changing their thinking um, on a particular doctrine or issue because it's something they grew up with, something they believed. And you challenge them straight from the word of God and they're like, nope, digging my heels in. It's possible for us to harden our heart to God's word even as believers. And so I would always say, I think it is extremely important for all of us when we approach the word of God. When we approach a Bible study, when we come to church and listen to the preaching of the gospel, that we take some time prior to that to say, God, would you prepare my heart? Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my my heart, my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I think it's good for us occasionally to say, God, how's my heart? How's the soil? What is the condition of my soul? Am I open to the good news? Do I receive who you say you are and what you've done for me? Have I received that very, very important truth into my heart? And more importantly, is it having an impact and an effect in my life? And I can tell you this from my own personal experience: I can look back at the old Shane niece, and I can tell you that I'm not the same guy. And I thank God for that. But to me, that's like the seed was planted years ago. It germinated. It, it, it made some roots. And it began to produce a crop in me. Now, could that crop be better? Ask my wife. She'll say, yes, it could. Nobody's perfect, right? But the cool thing is I can look back in my life and I can see where God's word has had a huge impact in my life. And I think it is important for us to have the same heart. God, would you soften my heart? Would you uh, give me a desire to really hear, really hear, not just hear words, but God, what are you saying to me here? Here. Isn't it amazing how you can open the scriptures and you can read the same verse over and over and over again. And just through the Holy Spirit's work, he can just reveal something different to you each time you approach scripture. That's power. And so it would be important for us to say, God, that's, I don't want to miss what you might want to say to me. And so God, would you please, with these ears, that you know they're, they're getting older, it's hard to hear certain things from time to time. But God, I really want to hear you spiritually. Would you let me hear what you have for me? And God, these eyes, they're not like they were. I wanted to be a fighter pilot when I was younger. That's long gone now. I can't see you very well without my glasses, but I can see. And even though I can see physically, how many know it's possible to not see spiritually? And so, God, would you open my eyes spiritually to see what it is you want me to see? But more importantly, God, would you please prepare my heart God, would you help me to have a soft heart? If if I've got a hard heart, I've got an attitude, I'm digging my heels in. Lord, would you forgive me for that? I don't want to be like the Pharisees who had it laid out in front of them. Like, no-brainer, y'all. Miracle. Jesus says it. Backs it up. You would think that everyone would be like, okay, you've proven it. End of discussion. I believe it. But they didn't. And they rejected him. That represents the hard heart. And I don't want to have a hard heart. Amen? So what's the condition of the soil? What is the condition of your soul? Listen to what Psalm 119 says. It says, How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I've recited aloud all the regulations you've given us. I've rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Be good to your servant uh, that I may live and obey your word. And this verse right here is one of my favorite things. And you hear me say this many, many times as we pray before we preach. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. I think that needs to be our heart every time we approach The word of God. Because the problem is not with the farmer. The problem is not with the seed. The problem is in the soil. And so my question is, what is the condition of your soil? What is the condition of your heart today? Now here's the beautiful thing. He is willing that none, none should perish. None would have the hard heart. He doesn't want to to conceal it. But if he knows that you're rejecting him in the first place, like, all right, fine. I'm not going to reveal that to you. But when we recognize him for who he is and what he did, and we trust him as Savior, he says, you're blessed because you get to witness things that even the prophets of old longed to see, and they didn't get to see it, and they longed to hear it, and they didn't get to hear it, but you do. Amen? And so where are you at today? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Do you receive him as Messiah, as King? Most important decision you'll ever make in your life, I say it all the time, I don't care. I'll say it until Jesus takes me home. The most important decision you can make in your life is what do you do with the gospel of Jesus Christ? do you receive it? Or like the hard soil, do you just reject it? Jesus said, those who hear these teachings of mine, and that fertile soil, that soil goes down, and it germinates, it creates these roots, and the sun comes out, the photosynthesis happens, and the sun is hot, but it doesn't wilt it away because the roots go deep where it gets the nourishment and the, and the moisture that it needs. That, my friends, is what it looks like to be in him, to let your roots grow deep into the word of God. And I would say, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, please, please, hear him. His invitation is to everyone, for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the good news, right? But maybe you're here today and you're saying, hey Shane, I'm a believer, I've nailed that down years ago, I know where I'm at with him, but I have to be honest, there are times when this doesn't get me excited anymore. There was a time when it did, but it just doesn't really do anything for me any longer. Maybe it's an opportunity for us to just say, God, would you would you please soften my heart? Would you please open my, my ears? Would you open my, my eyes, prepare my heart to receive your word with joy and to let it have its effect in my life? Because that's what I want, right? It's his will that we grow in our faith. He wants us to be sanctified, to grow and to mature in our faith. And that happens when we open our hearts to the word of God. Amen? And so, Father, would you forgive us for the times that we get so busy in life that we allow life to crowd out the very important place that the Word has in our life, Lord, would you give us a hunger, Lord, uh, just a, a renewed desire to seek your truth, Lord, to approach your truth, whether it be in a Bible study, whether it be um, reading it ourselves in your Word, or whether it be coming to church on a Sunday morning. Would you help us to have the understanding that it, that we need to prepare the soil before we dig there, because. We might read it, but we might not see it. We might hear what is being said, but we may not hear what you're saying to us. God, would you please just soften our hearts and give us ready and willing ears and eyes and heart to receive your word. We want to grow in our faith. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to produce, Lord, a crop in our own lives. As you say in Ephesians 4, live your life worthy of the calling that you've been called to. God, we want to live our lives worthy of that calling. So Lord, would you help us to just take a step closer to you today as we look at the moral of the story, the condition of the heart matters. Would you help us to take a step closer to you today? For those who have not placed their faith in you, I pray that today they would see that there is no other name given under heaven by which we could be saved. There's no other hope given for which we can be saved. The only hope is in you and that they would trust you as their Savior and their Lord and that they would... Turn over their life to you and let you have the reins and direct them. And God, let them reveal or be revealed to them what you can do in their hearts and their lives. God, I pray that you and you alone get the glory in our lives. And so however you want to deal with us individually today, God, I pray that you would speak. Lord, as we hear you saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. God, we want to hear you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.